In this episode, I continue the polyvagal audio masterclass with a look into the sympathetic flight fight state of mobilization. My name is Justin Sinceri. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist obsessed with the polyvagal theory. Welcome to Stuck Not Broken. There are lots more polyvagal theory resources on justinlmft.com, including a whole bunch of one pages on the fundamentals of the polyvagal theory in the free file share section of the resources tab on the website. <laughs> it's a lot. It's it's uh, it's simple. It's just go to justinlmft.com and a whole bunch of free stuff about polyvagal theory. Before I go further in this, into the flight fight sympathetic state, though, I do want you to put yourself first. This one uh, might be a bit challenging. I'm not going to go into details of trauma as usual, but um, at least at the beginning here, I'm going to play a couple of clips that are intended to trigger your uh, flight fight system. But otherwise, just as usual, just by the nature of these topics, you may experience some stuff come up for yourself. So please take a break if you need to. This podcast is not therapy, nor is it intended to be a replacement for therapy. If you're driving, by the way, don't close your eyes during the exercises. Please um, be safe. Along the way, you will be hearing from Dr. Portis again and Deb Dana. Dr. Portis created the polyvagal theory, and Deb Dana is a therapist that has applied polyvagal theory to the process of therapy. Let's get into the exercises. So I'm going to tell you just up front, there's going to be a couple sounds that are, there's, it's intended to be disturbing. Not super a lot, but uh, yeah, I do want you to feel that sympathetic energy kick on, or I want you to feel coming out of your safety state down the ladder into that flight fight energy. What I'm going to do is play the sound that is supposed to send you down the ladder first. And then I'll do what we call a, a palate cleanser to bring you back up the ladder. So as usual, when it comes to listening to these clips, I want you to notice how you feel as you listen to the clips. So notice how you feel in your face, chest, and gut in particular. Now let's do a palate cleanser. Same thing, just notice how you feel as you listen to these sounds. So what did you notice as you listened to the avalanche? Did you feel maybe this impulse to to run? Or did you feel like there was danger? Or did you feel overwhelmed maybe? Did you hold your breath? Did your breath get uh, tighter or more pressured or shallow? For me, I definitely noticed that my breathing was kind of put on pause. It became uh, definitely more shallow. I felt the sensation in my chest and had kind of more tenseness, not overwhelming, not a lot. And I wasn't actually running away, but, but I did drop out of my safety state down my ladder a bit as I listened to that um, the avalanche. Now the sound 
of the beach waves for me is it, there's a, there's like a rhythm there or a soothing for me that's a great palate cleanser i love just hanging out by by the ocean and listening to the waves crash against the beach it's super peaceful it's a super peaceful place for me let's do another one that is intended to bring you down the ladder and this is the sound of babies crying Now, if you're like me, you need an immediate palate cleanser after that one. So here you go. Same thing. Listen, just notice how your body feels when you listen to this. <laughs> Hopefully that palate cleanser makes everything, makes everything all better. The baby's crying. Wow, that is, for me, that is absolutely something. Maybe it's just um, after having my own kids because before having children, well, either way. So before having kids, that sound would have been very annoying. After having kids, it's not exactly annoying. It's more of activating. So there, for me, just for me, there's a difference of like before and after kids, like uh, building a family. But generally, the sound of babies crying, I think, is a very activating, very mobilizing sound. I think that we evolved to feel that irritation or that mobilization in response to our our young, to our babies crying, so that we could obviously uh, satiate their needs, keep them alive, and keep the family, keep the species going, right? So it's really a good thing that we mobilize at that sound. If that sound irritates you or if that sound... Uh, mobilizes you that means it's working and that your biology is responding in an an appropriate way as long as you can tolerate the sound and fulfill the needs of the baby now if that palate cleanser wasn't enough for you I i got a bonus one here for you a baby hiccuping i mean come on you just can't get better than that right what you may have just felt is your sympathetic branch of your autonomic nervous system coming to life. We drop out of safety, down our polyvagal ladder, into the flight-fight sympathetic system. And it's in that order. I I say flight-fight. I don't think people typically say it that way, but I say flight-fight, not fight and flight. I say flight-fight. And the reason for that is because it's in that order. If we can't be safe, then our first sympathetic response is to run away or to evade or to create space by uh, by you know getting away but if we can't run then we fight or we use aggression and we attempt to create space through force and then run away and then get to safety going down the ladder is from safety to the sympathetic flight fight system but specifically the flight behavior first if we're coming up the ladder it's from shutdown into the flight fight system, but it's fight first. So from shutdown into fight and then flight and then safety. From that shutdown immobilization, that sympathetic surge is necessary to come out of that shutdown state. In the sympathetic flight fight state, the limbs are very important because they're used for getting away or they're used for aggressive force. We use our, our legs for running. We use our arms and our upper body 
for pushing and lifting and throwing and hitting. The point of these, when in danger, is to create space. To create space in order to get away and get back to safety. The body in the state is being mobilized. The heart rate goes up, blood pressure increases, cortisol and adrenaline increase, there's muscle tension, there's uh, metabolism goes up, pupils dilate, we sweat. So there's all these biological shifts that happen when we're in the sympathetic state of flight fight. This is survival mode. This stuff comes on because our body has neurocepted that we have to survive some sort of danger. That we're no longer safe and now it's survive now we have to survive survival mode. Your nervous system has enacted something because it's it's trying to keep you alive. So if we could start there. There's evolutionary benefits to this sympathetic state, such as our pain tolerance increases to help us with running or fighting. Because if we are running away from a predator and, I don't know, like, stub our toe. If we don't have to feel the pain of that stub toe, our chances for surviving probably go up, right? If you're walking through your kitchen and you stub your toe, <laughs> the world basically stops, right? You feel it. You notice that pain. But if you're in your flight fight energy and you, you bang your foot or your elbow into something, then the pain is not going to be overwhelming. When we're in survival mode, we're better able to scan the environment to find danger. I mean, but we're also kind of seeing danger everywhere, but we are better able to scan the environment to find danger. Our breathing becomes shorter and faster, and this is to keep our heart rate increased and to stay mobilized. Also, while in survival mode, we might be speaking faster since we're inhaling less. Our breath becomes shorter and faster. So our rate of speaking probably goes up. This happens a lot when I'm, when I'm doing presentations. If my breathing is shallow because I have more sympathetic energy, I notice that I, when I speak during presentations, I, I talk a lot faster. The state of sympathetic survival, it's not intended to be ongoing. It's supposed to be for short bursts of sympathetic energy use. This energy is supposed to be released through running or fighting. It's not supposed to be ongoing. It's not supposed to be day in, day out. Unfortunately, what, what happens for us human beings is that we are raised potentially in homes where the, we have the flight fight energy within us, but we don't get the relief of actually utilizing it, especially for kids. They can't exactly utilize it in homes where there's like, like heavy abuse going on. So there's no relief. There's no discharge of it. It just kind of stays in their system and that flight fight system stays on. It's ongoing when it, it shouldn't be. It didn't evolve within us to be this thing that's always on. So when we're in this flight fight state, we're no longer in our safety state. Okay, now we're, we're now creating distance between ourselves and others. The safety state was about getting closer and utilizing gentle touch. But in the flight fight state, we want distance. Now we're perceiving other people as a threat. Remember that when we shift these autonomic states that we don't just exist in the state, but the state becomes the filter that we experience the world through. So if we're in the flight fight state, we're now perceiving other people as a threat, even if they're not. We're, we're no longer identifying safe facial cues, or at least not very well. 
And if someone is smiling while we're in this state, we might mistrust it. We might label it as them laughing at us. So we're no longer identifying safe facial cues, but we're also not really giving safe facial cues either. When we're in the state, our affect actually goes pretty flat. Our eyes tend to go wider. Our facial muscles are not really being utilized, so there's not much eyebrow expression. Now, when we're in that fight state and we're not utilizing it, it can turn into, it can feel like anger day to day. So then, yeah, we our face, when we're really angry, we could definitely show that. When we're really stuck in that flight energy and anxious, that can show on our face day to day, but that's more of that like stuck energy. When we're in that intensive state of true, like a you know high energy flight fight, the facial affect goes pretty flat. There's not a whole lot of uh, muscle usage in the face, in the face, and eyes go wide. So we're not really identifying. We're not really giving social cues through our face. And now when we see a neutral face, so a face that doesn't have clear safety on it, now we're identifying that as a threat as well. So kids in class, I mean, so many fights start because kids think that someone else is staring at them. If someone exists down their ladder in a flight fight place, and there's another kid in class that's just kind of staring or is in their own state of defense and has those white eyes or... It's just kind of staring off in the distance. The, it's, it's super easy for those kids to misinterpret that lack of social cues. And they now they see it as a threat. Rather than just a neutral face, they see it as a threat. But seriously, lots of fights start happen that way. When we're down the ladder, our hearing actually changes as well. Our middle ear muscles turn off, and this helps us to better hear deep sounds or high sounds. So hearing that avalanche off in the distance will be better able to hear it or hearing the maybe the screeching of birds off in the distance and that would maybe alarm us to a predator in this state with our middle ear muscles turned off it's harder to understand the sound or the meaning of human voice our capacity to hear the full range of human voice is very very compromised I know when I'm really stressed out and I'm feeling like a lot of pressure, when I, when I have that defensive energy going, I have a really hard time hearing my kids when they, when they talk. Like I, there's times where I just simply don't hear what they're saying because my body is not attuned, like it's not prepared to do so. It's prepared to deal with stress. It's prepared to deal with what it's perceiving or neurocepting as danger. It's not prepared to socially engage and to listen to others, right? It's something that you can probably identify with. How often do we get into altercations with our loved ones and we misinterpret their facial cues as, as hostile when they're not? Or how often do we not really hear what they're saying? Not because we don't want to, but our capacity to really hear them is is uh, compromised. Hearing and understanding the prosody and the intention of what people are trying to say is it becomes a lot more difficult. We're prepared to listen for danger, not for safety. The flight fight state, though, it's not bad. Oh, it's not something to be ashamed of, right? It's just, it's just a biological place that that I go to. You know, having this stuff 
within us. Well, it's there for a reason. It's there. It has a purpose. It has this evolutionary benefit that still exists within us, even though we're not living out in the wild, you know? So it still has a purpose within us. Feeling these things and having these things, these, this, this state be active is not a bad thing. Feeling these things doesn't mean you're failing. All right, this is not an issue of pride. We, we just don't want it to be out of control. That's, that's, what, that's where things get a bit tricky, I think. So it's okay to feel these things. It's okay to feel that flight fight energy. We want to be as anchored in our state of safety and social engagement as much as possible. And it's not possible to do that 100% all day, every day, day in, day out. That's, that's not going to happen. No one exists in that state as far as I know. But we want to have access to it so that the flight-fight state isn't overpowering, doesn't take over, and actually put us into this state where we do want to run away or we do want to fight. Where we are constantly anxious or we are constantly irritated. We want to stay anchored in safety. And building safety anchors, my course, can be really helpful when it comes to this. As we build our moments of safety mindfully, so really experiencing them, then we build the capacity to tolerate that flight-fight energy. So we have to exercise those safety pathways. Building safety anchors, it's all about identifying and mindfully, purposefully practicing being in the state of safety. Finding those glimmers and increasing our capacity to be with them and turn them into glows. As the tolerance to this defensive energy builds, then it can start to discharge. Then we can start to allow some of that stuff to come through us, through our system. But we have to feel safety first. We have to be in the present moment and actually experience these shifts within us. All right, so building safety anchors is not about feeling the painful stuff. It's really about building safety. And that is, that is absolutely essential to the process of discharging this stuck defensive flight fight energy. The autonomic nervous system is use dependent. That means that it adapts based on the needs of survival. So if, if you had to exist in a defensive state to get your needs met, then your nervous system gets shaped around that. If my mom grew up in a family system that was dysregulated, then she was probably dysregulated. And if her mom grew up in a system that was dysregulated, so you can track it simply through you know, the, was, the, was the environment regulated or dysregulated? You know, we're shaped over our, over our experience. That the nervous system is a system of relationship. It's shaped in relationship with others. It's into their topology of, of who they are. Now, is that modifiable? Possibly. Possibly because when a person is anxious, that's, that's sitting on top of a brainstem that is regulating physiology in a state of defense. Homes that are saturated in defensive states, so the flight fight energy. So homes that are saturated in, in defensive states are probably more likely to create young nervous systems that are in defensive states. Not probably, I mean, it's pretty much going to happen. And this is a constant in therapy. The clients that I'm meeting with, whether they're the kids that I'm meeting with through the school district or adults that I'm meeting with in private practice after hours, this is the constant, being raised in homes where there was lots of defensive energy and having to get needs met by being in their own defensive energy, their own defensive state. 
It's not just about childhood that this applies to us as well. Our nervous systems get shaped throughout life. And that means that if you are in a stuck defensive state, that means you can come out of it. You can get unstuck. It's possible. Not easy, but possible. Being in this state of flight fight can become chronic. So like I said, it, it adapts based on the needs of survival. So we can get stuck there. It can become chronic. Police officers in particular, they exist in a flight fight state chronically out of necessity and other first responders as well. I did a presentation at work to some police officers and we were researching kind of their emotional state and wanted to get an idea of the norms for for police officers when it comes to how they exist. And hypervigilance was something that came up. And now for me, and maybe for you, hypervigilance, we think that's not good, right? <laughs> I'm sorry, it's extremely simple, but we don't want to exist in a state of hypervigilance. That, that sounds bad. That sounds like an unhealthy thing, right? And I'm talking in super simple terms, but roll, roll with it. But for police officers, it's a necessary skill, they call it. They call it a skill. Being constantly alert to, to potential danger because they never know what's going to happen. So hypervigilance to us means a lot, something a lot different to them. But being in this state of hypervigilance means that their flight fight system is constantly on. It's chronic. Turning that off is going to be very difficult especially in a culture where, in a, in a police culture where emotional support is not exactly the norm. For therapists, that, that is kind of our norm. We're extremely supportive and it's almost nauseating how much it is. But for other professions, that, that is simply not the norm. So if this is the case and we, and we become stuck in a state of flight fight, we can actually become dangerous to ourselves or to others. Because now we're seeing danger in others, even if it's not there. When we're in this stuck state, there's lots of blame, lots of judgment, lots of fear and anger, worry and nervous and anxiety. When someone's stuck in a flight state, like a teenager, they avoid school. They avoid responsibility. They run away from things that they perceive as Dangerous, even if it's something that is actually safe, like school. When we're stuck in fight energy, we lash out at others. We become dangerous. Again, we become dangerous to ourselves or others. We make decisions that have a negative impact on our potential futures. Our relationships become compromised. We are much more impulsive in this state of flight fight energy. So having that level, a high level of anxiety, having that high level of anger plus a higher level of impulsivity plus viewing the world as dangerous. It, it, you can hopefully see how we can become dangerous to ourselves or others. The daily experience of the flight fight sympathetic mobilization state. Well, let's, let's talk about flight first. Flight day to day. Now flight is supposed to be used in small bursts, but it, we can become stuck there. And then we have a, a different experience, like a day-to-day -day experience. And that's going to feel more panicky or anxious. It's going to feel, it's going to be more fear and dread, uh, being on guard, being hypervigilant, fidgety, like foot tapping or pen clicking or chewing your nail. So there's this just energy within 
within you this sort of anxious energy. For the fight state, the daily experience is going to be more around anger and maybe rage. Rage and panic are a bit different, but I'm, I'm including them here. I'm going to go into those later on when I talk about freeze. But fight day-to-day, anger, irritation, aggression, tense muscles, clenched fists. That's going to be what it might look like day-to-day. For both of these states, they're going to have more flat affect, so uh, not utilizing the facial muscles. Wide eyes, we're going to be more distracted. We're going to be sitting upright or maybe even forward. Shallow breathing, we're going to be breathing into our shoulders or our chest, not into our belly, but our shoulders and our chest. And this is something I see in therapy a lot. People breathing into their chest, and when I ask them to breathe into their belly, it's it's a huge struggle. It's very difficult because their bodies are prepared to survive. And if you can breathe into your belly slowly and comfortably, then that means you're safe. But the body's not prepared to do that. So it's a challenge. In this state, we're not hearing safe people. We're not, we're not hearing them accurately, at least. We're seeing danger everywhere. We're speaking faster and louder. And we have an increased heart rate. But again, the, the sympathetic energy evolved within us to be used in short durations. Not ongoing, not day in, day out. And that's what us humans, that's what we do to each other and to ourselves. We become stuck. Being in this flight fight state, the sympathetic state, day in, day out, is extremely taxing on our system. And all the costs come with that. It means that the autonomic nervous system is not supporting homeostatic function. So they get all these other types of disorders, whether cardiovascular or digestive. And of course, if they're anxious, you're misreading the cues of others. If they're misreading right. the cues of others, the social behavior is challenged. And the term I use, if they can't read the cues of others, their relationships are also biased. They lack this core possibility of co-regulation. We're, we're utilizing our resources for defense rather than health and growth and restoration. There's something called ACEs, which is the Adverse Childhood Experiences Study. And through this study, they found evidence that those who have higher levels of traumatic events that they went through, or potentially traumatic events that they went through in childhood, have higher rates of mental health, behavioral health, and actually physical health problems later on in life. The body is not supposed to be stuck in these states. The body is not supposed to be using all these resources for defense. If it's using it for defense, that means it's not using it for health and growth and restoration. Story follows state, and that applies to the sympathetic flight fight energy as well. Our thoughts are going to match our polyvagal state. So the, the flight fight state is about identifying and surviving danger. So our thoughts are going to follow that. Our thoughts are going to be about identifying and surviving danger. Lot, with lots of blame. There's going to be lots of blame in our thoughts, lots of judgment, lots of avoidance. For example, I, I didn't pass the test because my teacher hates me. Or our relationship is failing because you never love me. Both of those have blame, right? Both of those are avoiding responsibility. Both of those are intended to create space, push somebody away, push away responsibility. 
The story not only matches the state or follows the state, but it also matches the intensity of it. And it actually, I think, reinforces it. That's really scary because if we have a story in our mind that is about blame and judgment, maybe about like some group of people, plus we have increased impulsivity that comes along with that sympathetic state, that could be a really dangerous combination. It is definitely possible to come out of danger. I think that there's just a good chance that Dear listener, that you're kind of stuck in your own defensive state of flight fight. Not uncommon. It is possible to come out of this state of sympathetic flight fight mobilization. And it requires that we safely discharge that energy. The energy's stuck. That sympathetic state is stuck. We're stuck in defense. So it's, it requires that we safely discharge that energy. And we can do this in a safe environment with a safe person. That would help. And we'd have to really feel into that stuck defensive energy and allow it to discharge through some sort of organized movement. So what we need is to to keep moving through sympathetic. So we have to have our energy used in an organized way and often in connection with somebody else. And then we keep coming up up to ventral. Moving from the dangerous state to safety So moving up the ladder from the danger state to the safety state can actually feel like danger. And that will keep somebody stuck in that flight fight state. So when they actually reach the top of the ladder, it can feel very exposed, very vulnerable, but not, but not in a safe way, not in a voluntary way. It can be really uncomfortable and they're going to go right back down into that flight fight energy. This is a pretty normal process of change. This is pretty normal. We, we don't get to the state of safety and just stay there. Like we, we have to be able to fluctuate up and down our ladders. So it's completely normal to get there and drop back down. But we want to be able to build the capacity to climb back up and to stay anchored in our state of safety as much as possible so that when we do drop down the ladder, it's not out of control. That's about it, though, for the state of flight, fight, sympathetic mobilization. I do appreciate listening. Building Safety Anchors is available on my website, justinlmft.com. Thank you so much for listening, though. I do hope you've learned something new to help you climb your own polyvagal ladder. Bye. This podcast is not therapy, not intended to be therapy or be a replacement for therapy. Nothing in this creates or indicates a therapeutic relationship. Please consult with your therapist or seek for one in your area if you are experiencing mental health symptoms. Nothing in this podcast should be construed to be specific life advice. It's for educational and entertainment purposes only. More resources are available in the description of this episode and in the footer of justinlmft.com.